Welcome to Biota Live. I'm Tom Barbelay, and this is a continuation of the Biota Podcasts. For more information on the Biota Podcasts, check out biota.org slash podcast. We have three callers on the line. I can identify Bruce Dema first, so I'll bring him in. Hello, Bruce. Hello, hello, Tom. Good to talk to you. So we have two more callers. I'll just bring them in. Travis Alvo. Hello, Travis. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm, uh, my finger is healing nicely. So, For people listening, Travis was uh, involved in a, a car accident. A car hit him while he was walking on the side of the road last Thursday night. Otherwise, he would have called in to Biota Live on Friday. You missed a wonderful discussion, as you may have heard. But, uh, well, welcome back. And I'm glad you're, you're feeling recovered. Yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Um, actually, it was quite the scene. I had to chase the people down who hit me and uh, stop them from driving off. But everything is under control now, and I'm back on track. Terrific. Hello, third caller. Hi, Tom. This is Scott Davis. Oh, Scott, wonderful that you're calling in for a show topic that you suggested. Good to have you on yeah. the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. So, as, as we have three well-versed BiotaLive participants, they're familiar that we have news and notes. For folks who are interested in calling in as well, the contact number is 646-200-0640. We have an active chat room as well for folks who'd like to participate but don't necessarily want to call the U.S. number. The episode next week, I believe, is also a, a Scott Davis special, Friday, September 26th, 8 p.m. Pacific, Open Source for Pragmatic Development. Scott, can you introduce this topic? Well, I was uh, interested in learning more about um, open source development for artificial life and what are the uh, pragmatic issues uh, related uh, to uh, starting a project, working on a project, uh, getting other people to participate in the project, that sort of thing. I've you know, I, I have an open source project that I've run for a while. I thought it would be interesting to discuss with other people and who have done the same and what issues they've run into. So for folks interested, uh, that topic will be next week, Friday, September 26th at 8 p.m. Pacific. And for folks who are listening in Australia or parts of Europe where that works out for them as well, we do have an active chat window. So if you'd like to sit on, on that and provide feedback and questions and comments through the chat window, that certainly saves a, a call in on the U.S. number. So continued feedback from Biota Live Lite. It seems to be doing very well. It's in iTunes, so if you would like a lower bandwidth version of Biota Live, then Biota Live Lite is certainly the thing for you. I said a few weeks back, and I, this is a, probably a, a recurring topic, but if people are interested, please do leave reviews in iTunes. There is some equation where People who uh, look at iTunes also see podcasts with a larger number of reviews. And I think the only review we have to date, it's a U.S. review, relates to the sound quality. So if you like what we do in Biota Live, please leave feedback on the iTunes store with regards to it, and hopefully we'll get more listeners. So Graytham-related news, quite a bit of Graytham-related news. Before I start on the formal Netherlands and Silicon Valley stuff, Graytham, New York, Bruce. When are you actually going to be in New York for the first meeting? I'm going to be in New York probably at the end of October, around Halloween, so and at the very beginning of November, so maybe would that work? That goes out to the listing audience. We already have a mailing list set up with regards to Graysome, New York, but if you're going to be going through New York through that period of time and you'd like to 
meet Bruce and the other Grace Unrelated participants. I, I believe Adam Eremenko may be coming down to, to do something as well while you're there, Bruce. Yeah, hopefully. So it could be an interesting time to meet previous Biota Live participants if you are in the New York area. Uh, more information to follow, no doubt, in future Biota Lives. So I had an email this week from Gerald de Jong with regards to Graytham Netherlands. They are meeting this coming Tuesday, September 23rd from 6 to 9.30 p.m. So a very long Graytham Netherlands meeting, but I think probably a lot of discussion and breakaway groups and maybe even a meal through that, uh, although Gerald didn't confirm any of that information. It is going to be at the Royal Academy of Art, excuse my Dutch pronunciation here, Princess Graat 4. 2514 The Hague, The Netherlands. However, there is also a website, if my Dutch is too appalling, at kabk.nl. I don't see any Grayson related stuff on that site specifically, but that's where it's going to be located. So, Tuesday, September 23rd, 6 p.m. through to 9.30 p.m. at the Royal Academy of Art in The Hague for Greatham Netherlands. Gerald, and I also believe Rudolf uh, Penikov, who's appeared in previous Boat Lives, or at least a previous Boat Live, will be displaying another fellow's work, if my memory serves me right. So, quite a bit of going on, and no doubt breakout groups and general discussion at Greatham Netherlands. So, it's coming this Tuesday. And this Thursday, September 25th, Greytham Silicon Valley. Bruce, you're, you're on the presentation list once again with Al Landell. You're going to be talking a little bit about what you're going to be talking about this evening with regards to the Evo Grid, but I also sent some discussion out to Osher and probably CC'd you and Al with regards to the Biota 3 uh, DVDs that Al produced probably a couple of years ago now that I've seen uh, on a number of occasions, but there are a couple of breakout groups from that where you folks discuss a kind of early precursor to the Evo grid. Do you remember those Biota 3 discussions? Yes, and in fact, on the Biota 3 site, there's a, a big photograph of a bunch of us standing uh, next to a good old-fashioned chalk blackboard with all these drawings on them, and I can make out the drawings that it looks like sort of a collective artificial life simulation grid um, that we were doing. Biota 3's orientation was the game developer community and the really development plus the science fiction uh, element with uh, Bruce Sterling and Rudy Rucker presenting. So, And a, a couple projects actually did come out of Biota 3, uh, the virtual life project by Tom Ray, uh, working with the Math Engine guys to do the blocky creatures from Carl Sims, but in Math Engine. Um, but yeah, there was there was absolutely discussions then. So in addition to that, Scott Schaefer will be giving an update of that life, and potentially Oshiyadka himself may present a little bit about what he's doing with Swarm. And for folks who've listened to uh, the Bios podcast, you'll remember Paul Johnson, who was connected with the Swarm development and uses it for political science applications. So I'm interested in seeing the videos. Al will not only be doing the videoing, but he'll actually be on the video this time, Bruce. A lot to look forward to. 7 p.m. Uh, for Greytham Silicon Valley, Thursday, September 25th at SRI International in Menlo Park, which is pretty well the de facto meeting place for Greytham Silicon Valley. Um, you need to be on time. The doors will close at 7.15. Osher would like to be emailed. Um, send an email to me, tom at noble8.com. However, somehow without people emailing me, they still tend to turn up, and I'm sure Osher will be able to accept all comers. 
There may potentially... Do you know if they're going to meet at the Barone Cafe at six prior to the meeting, Bruce? I'm sure. That's sort of becoming a tradition. Okay. So as per standard practice, meet at the Barone Cafe at 6 p.m. if you have other related uh, you know, discussion points or would like to meet with folks such as Bruce prior to the Greater meeting. And my understanding is that, uh, I mean, Scott, you presented at the, the last Greater Silicon Valley meeting and it was quite a small and intimate group. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Yeah, it was a really nice meeting. Um, it was a very small group. I think the smallest uh, we've had, even including the uh, original one. Uh, I think it was about six or seven of us altogether. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Al wasn't there. He usually um, videos, videotapes the um, uh, presentations. But it, it was kind of nice in the fact that it was a small group. I got to really uh, discuss my project and have a lot of nice uh, question and answer sessions. It wasn't just you know a formal PowerPoint type presentation. And uh, it was a very nice, very uh, kind of uh, laid back. Um, presentation and a lot of very interesting uh, questions and uh, concepts from the group. So in terms of the top one or two of those, do you want to talk about anything that you've done in the past month based on that feedback? Probably not on the past month, uh, although I've, I've talked a little bit about some of the different things with my group. Uh, one of the things is that uh, in my project, which uh, is called the uh, Mars Simulation Project, uh, a simulation of a uh, future uh, Mars Martian settlement um, by humans. Uh, one of the concepts was that the I was trying to put way too much into the simulation. You know, uh, 15, 16 bases spread out all over the planet, interacting with one another, and it might come forward a little bit better if uh, if I just had a smaller group close to each other, so you, it would wouldn't be so overwhelming uh, to the user. We've, uh, we talked a bit about um, adding more to the uh, medical simulation aspect of it um, with different uh, uh, medical problems that, you know, are very accurate to, uh, to actual uh, medical issues people might face in that setting. We talked some about uh, databases and uh, different ways that the information could be uh, stored between simulations. At the moment, it just stores it in a uh, binary file that doesn't update well between versions and, you know, could potentially get corrupted. So it's a bit fragile. There's a few different ideas like that. Also talked about maybe applying for grants or using this in ways with uh, scientific research, which I think would be a very interesting thing if I could uh, find a useful way of tying it in. So do you think it's going to be a joint NASA-SRI-sponsored project in the future? Was that the feedback that you got? I don't know about SRI or NASA in particular, but... Um, I might be able to work with uh, some universities, uh, particularly in the social sciences, and possibly possibly with uh, NASA Ames as well in trying to model the uh, social issues of uh, future bases on Mars or the moon or other locations in the solar system. I don't know. I've, I've been talking a bit with John Cumbers, who's done presentations um, evolving wet artificial life and, um, and that sort of thing uh, at the Silicon Valley uh, meetings, and we were talking about ways to simulate genetically modified biofuel-producing algae that could fixate carbon from the uh, the natural atmosphere of Mars and make that turn that into useful 
material. So Very we might cool. find a way to uh, to simulate that in the in the simulation. Terrific. Yeah, I thought John Cumbers and you were a natural kind of connecting point with regards to your interests. But for folks who are out in the Bay Area or even a reasonable commute from the Bay Area, these are the kind of things that go on at Greytham Silicon Valley. So if you have a, a project or you're even going through the Bay Area for a period of time and can't make a formal Greytham meeting, there are certainly a number of folks like Scott who are in the Bay Area who'd love to talk about artificial life and love to talk about the potential of these kind of simulations. So certainly get in contact if you're even if you're just going through. So from last week, we got a lot of great feedback with regards to having Larry on. And to put this in some degree of perspective, when I chatted with Steve Grand, I talked with him for about three hours over a month period. And I knew coming into the chat with Larry last week that an hour just wasn't going to be enough time. So I've certainly invited Larry back. In fact, he's going to be back on at some stage with Ed to discuss protocols, languages, and algorithms. And this was also a listener-submitted question, too, with regards to the power of languages in particular and whether there existed a perfect artificial life language or whether we should be developing one in the future. And this actually came through, I think, a comment that John Daigle made in an earlier bio to conversation, perhaps, about the frustrations that he had with Java specifically. We are also going to have Larry back on to talk with Dick Gordon. And if you heard the chat last week with Larry, you'll hear towards the end that I was trying to make some discussion linking points with regards to Dick Gordon's discussion of artificial life's impact on science. And certainly I'm a a new convert to this. In fact, I think Dick and I came to it from different perspectives, but certainly came to the same conclusions. And Dick is trying to pull in uh, the likes of Bruce and co. into this idea as well. So it would be really interesting to have Larry on and have him able to interact with Dick in real time to discuss these issues, particularly as Larry is an artificial life academic, but also obviously has a, a solid background in industry. There was also a topic which was somewhat like that on the Biota Conversations mailing list today, and this related to do-it-yourself science and whether artificial life could be part of this new do-it-yourself science movement. And some quite interesting and quite heated discussion went through the Biota Conversations mailing list. If that sounds like something that may interest you, please subscribe to the Biota Conversations mailing list. Go to the Biota site, biota.org. You'll see the mailing list related link and you'll see the conversations link in order to join the Biota Conversations. So Bruce, I hear some uh, some musings that there may be a a movie uh, relating to perhaps the blob meets the matrix, Evo Grid the movie. Can you talk a little bit about this, please? Yes, and um, based on your suggestion, I actually put the storyboards and the sketch and the script up on evogrid.org. So anyone listening to the podcast can go to www.evogrid.org, and it's right at the top of the page, along with the other EvoGrid-related uh, news of the last six months. So if you click on that, um, I don't know if anyone's uh, looking at it, the sketches are there uh, for the storyboards and the script. And just to, just to kind of wind, rewind and, and give people who are listening a little bit of an update. The evil grid concept, as Tom was suggesting, is actually a concept that has been bubbling around the artificial life field for some time, which is how do you create a grid that that attaches or allows artificial life simulations to work together? And really there's two parts to this. One, that the 
extant or existing different simulations are able to exchange objects, you know, creatures, algorithms, physics, whatnot, over a network and send things back and forth to make a richer whole, or that there's something that I think Dick Gordon really came up with in the book, which was uh, what he calls the origin of artificial life, where another Evo grid would be a large grid of machines that just sits there cranking away on a digital primordial soup uh, with certain pra- parameters, and you crank away and crank away and hope and pray that some phenomena emerge from that. So it's sort of a hands-off approach. And I kind of call that evil grid origin of life versus evil grid intelligent designer. So there would be two evil grids in a sense. But um, in order to kind of, to, to you know, we all learned from uh, great masters of a presentation like Larry Lessig, when Larry Lessig launched the Creative Commons in 2002, one of the best things they did was produce a really cool animated movie that explained, you know, what is copyright, why doesn't it work very well anymore, what is the Creative Commons license, and this little cartoon movie was uh, sold millions and millions of people on the Creative Commons. So the concept that I had was to do Evo Grid the movie, and the sketches that you'll see on the site um, show the Evo Grid origin of life script and storyboard. And our team, we, as many listeners might know, we have a team here at Digital Space that works for NASA and has done about 10 years of work for various parts of NASA. And we do real-time 3D graphics, but we also do uh, rendered 3D visualization movies uh, for NASA. And so we're taking a little bit of our, our copious spare time to make EvoGrid the movie. And um, you'll see it described on evogrid.org. So, Travis, if you were watching Evo Grid the movie, as Bruce has described, what would you want to see specifically? There's a lot of potential for this. There's, um, I would want to see the ideas really brought to life in a way that communicates them effectively. The ideas behind the storyboard of this, of this grid and having this kind of um, uh, tank in which life is literally emerging is, is quite compelling. So um, the things that I would want to... Um, see in this are, are the ideas like um, how this is possible and why this is why this is a, a potential and um, why the uh, why this approach is actually uh, deemed to uh, we think it's going to be effective and um, the um, the difference uh, the different approaches are um, as as you know Bruce is describing them are, are also both very compelling because they they definitely take a, a, a very a varied approach to it, and I'd kind of like to see um, a little bit more of that type of idea explored in the video. And Scott, what would you like to see in EvoGrid the movie? For one thing, I, I don't know if you're uh, Bruce, if you're basically selling this, trying to convey the information to people who aren't familiar with artificial life at all. If so, you may want to show some examples of some visually compelling artificial life projects kind of in petri dishes and then communicating with uh, one another like you could assuming you get the you know the rights to like uh, the early stages in the spore game talking to uh, gene pool organisms you know things like that communicating between these various petri dishes I just that might be an interesting animation very good point Certainly when I talked to Bruce about this during the week, I saw a, a genotype-phenotype distinction where the genotype is fundamentally 
and you don't need to see, you know, nerds tinkering away on keyboards, but it's the background to what actually goes in the organisms that enter the, the um, agar, that enter the jelly, the, the, the grid fundamentally. And Bruce made an interesting point. He said that basically this was an initial pitch. This was to kind of grab people's attention initially and then you could hit them with the depth following. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Bruce? Yeah, it's um, kind of a playful, fun thing initially because, you know, there's, there's so much talk about singularities and, and stuff emerging in cyberspace, but actually nobody's really even working on that. So in some in some ways, except for people in gray salmon biota. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the idea would be to... Sh- to kind of in an abstract way uh, show that in principle, if one could create a technology or a simulation that in which uh, lifelike, and I'm calling them, this, this was advice from Danny Hillis. When I was floating, it's funny, I just found my notes for the NERVS project of uh, from December 1994. I just found the notebook and all the drawings and whatnot. I'll probably put that up just for uh, historical background, but... Um, in 2001, I was floating the, the idea of a, of a artificial life prize around, and I, Danny Hillis gave the advice of use the term lifelike. Don't use the term living or biological or whatever because you don't want to necessarily get the wrath of biologists or the fear of the, the general public. And when I talked to Richard Dawkins about it, he was extremely positive about it and wanted to be involved. Um, which could could be a good thing or a bad thing. I have no idea, but probably a good thing. How many um, times have you actually met Professor Dawkins? Well, I- initially we invited him to Digital Burgess, and I talked to him at that time. Uh, he had a family emergency. This was in 1997, and he agreed that he would try to come uh, the next time. So he actually came to Cambridge in 98 at Biota 2, and I met him there in person. And then in 2001, uh, rang him up and said, we're in Oxford, like to come by. And he said, you know, lovely, and came up. We had tea there, and we talked for a couple of hours, and that, that's the last time I've seen him. And what was interesting is that the whole God delusion, the thinking behind the God delusion was already kind of going in his system. He, he, um, it was a conversation. It was actually uh, Douglas Adams' presentation at Biota 2 that, according to his book, The God Delusion, got him started uh, thinking along these, this way. And then when 2001, when I met him, he was definitely uh, really thinking along this, this way. So it's interesting to see him evolve. But uh, so the idea would be that if you could have lifelike emergence, so calling it lifelike processes, um, in inside the auger, if, if to coin Tom's, Tom's description, then you've actually done something fairly significant, which is to show that in principle, the universe mathematically, because that's all a simulation really is, uh, has the power to do this, to generate this kind of, of behavior from seemingly from nothing. And this will strike back at uh, origins, of, you know, our sense of God's place in the universe as a creator. And as these EvoGrid simulations become more sophisticated, if you have a million-core processor in 2000-whatever, million cores, you're going to be able to do a lot. You know, you'll run Microsoft Word about the same speed as it runs now. But 
you'll be able to do a lot more simulations. And perhaps in 2050, the simulations will be running the Evo grid of 2050, will actually be able to fully simulate a chemical, uh, a liquid chemical solution. And so when you're doing your, your emergence experiment, where you see things emerge and you see them take shape, and whether it's just strings of, of, of particles or vesicles are forming or whatnot, if the, if the simulation is extremely high fidelity, then you're getting really close to saying, we know this could have happened in chemistry because our simulation is so high fidelity. We do this all the time for NASA. We do higher and higher fidelity simulations of rovers moving along a, a lunar terrain. And our simulations within, I don't know, 10 years or so are going to be high enough fidelity that we can say, if you build a sandbox or you place a rover on the lunar surface and it goes down this slope, we know how it's the wheels are going to behave. And that's the whole goal of, of 3D and, and simulation. So it, it's, an, it's an upward curve. It's not one of Ray Kurzweil's singularity curves. It's, it's an upward curve in, for something else, which is representing reality and then answering fundamental questions about where things came from. And I mean, certainly for the past probably 18 months with my own Noble Ape development, I've been looking at this idea of atomized simulation. And actually in the past week, had some quite major breakthroughs in terms of getting in-core processes from your favorite chip manufacturer to um, basically run as if it were a, a serial processor. And I think this kind of feedback into the simulation community, I'm interested in actually getting polyworlds running with this kind of technology too in parallel um, because I think the, the potential for um, not even processor uh, mapped where you don't even assume a number of processes, you just let the um, processing power basically take your simulation is a very powerful um, technology which is existing currently, but as you say, into the future, will just get more and more powerful. 